1: Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills all the time. And now Matt Bovay and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo.
2: Well, this is a treat for me. I know every single year. This is, I think, the third year in a row that I've chatted with Mike North about the NFL schedule. So really happy to do it again this year, and this time with my partner, Matt Bovay, on its own. Day in Buffalo, Matt. Last year, you're like, Oh my god, I couldn't stop listening. I'm in the, my wife's in the grocery store, and I'm like, No, I, I'm riveted, I'm listening to the podcast. Well, now you have your chance to talk to Mike with me here on the podcast, so I'm super excited about this.
0: Yeah, so I'll tell Mike this, but I made my wife go into the grocery store by herself so I could finish in listening to the podcast, and I was trying to because you know, when you do what we do, you've got this like, especially important interest in the schedule because i'm not just thinking about like where the bills are going to play i'm thinking about when are we going to certain places like please no not another super september hot trip to miami or how about a really good weekend to be in kansas city or whatever it is so yeah i'm always fascinated to listen to it so it'll be cool to be part of it this year
2: well we aren't the only ones a busy schedule so is mike let's bring him in right now nfl vp of broadcast planning mike north who's actually taking time away from as his kids are at soccer practice tonight. So that's why you see him sitting there in the dark, Mike. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time tonight.
1: Happy to do it. Thanks for helping me pass the time waiting for soccer practice. And
2: uh, no problem. And I have to cue. I know I, I sent you a text last year when it happened. No lie. I mean, like, I had you on my podcast and that was my personal podcast, sales sports and stuff. And literally the next week I cracked like the top 30 in all of iTunes podcasts because people can't get enough of the schedule. Mike, they eat it up. It has become an NFL event. So thank you. But Hey man, this is big business now.
1: It is. We actually accidentally broke some news last yes. year when I uh, dropped the triple header on Christmas. We hadn't exactly confirmed all that yet. So <laughs> hopefully there's no uh, you know breaking news this year, but always happy to talk about it. I love that people are interested. It's a fascinating intellectual exercise, and it's kind of this combination of art and science. Um, you know, A little bit of gut, a little bit of instinct, a little bit of feel, but also a lot of data, a lot of analytics, and really trying to thread that needle and find that You know, mythical, magical, perfect schedule that satisfies all 32 teams, all seven media partners, uh, every podcast host, uh, every commissioner. I'm not sure that schedule exists, but never going to stop trying to find it.
2: And uh, before I let Matt uh, jump in on a question here, I want to be transparent with everybody. We're recording this before the draft, um, but we're going to embargo it and release it, Mike, after the draft. So we don't bury the lead, so to speak. So any questions we have could wind up actually kind of being spoiled by the time people hear it, But I think most of them, they're not going to know until the draft, uh, until uh, the the schedule's released. So can you give us any timeline on what you're thinking as far as the schedule release this year?
1: Yeah, look, you guys have been doing this long enough to know it wasn't that long ago the schedule might even be out by now. I mean, this kind of like second, third week in April uh, was generally a target for us. The problem was, you know, this month is really should be dedicated to the prospects, to the draftees and really getting to know them and really trying to figure out who's going to land where and who needs what and all the mock drafts. And then all of a sudden the schedule just kind of sprung up on people and then back to draft. You know, this way we let uh, everybody really focus the month of April on the draft. schedule is going to come out post-draft again, like we've done the last few years. Um, It also gives us a chance as a scheduling team to react to something that happens in the draft. You know, generally, I I think we all kind of have a feel for what's going to happen at the top of the draft. And I'm not sure that, you know, anything's going to change a lot of what we have planned right now relative to, you know, any of these quarterbacks going early, but obviously there's still some big names out there that haven't uh, signed contracts. And so if things change uh, either before or during the draft, Uh, nice to have, you know, a week or 10 days for us to be able to react to it and kind of targeting that second week in May again, like we've been doing the last few years. I know it's this massive
0: puzzle that you need to fill out the pieces to, and you kind of just alluded to it, but do you make like a jet schedule if Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback and then another jet schedule, if it's some guy that most people haven't heard of, like, how do you guys kind of navigate that knowing there are such polar opposites and there's so much potential there?
1: Yeah, look, we've got a little bit of experience with this. Obviously when, uh, Brady left the Patriots and went to the Buccaneers you know prior to him signing with Tampa you know I I think we were all kind of assuming that he was going to stay um, or if he was going to leave we weren't sure where he was going so once he signed with Tampa it was sort of an all system stop turn off all the computers and everybody just take a breath and let's talk to each other a little bit kind of look at each of the Then 256, now 272 games. And which ones mean a little bit more now? Which ones maybe aren't quite as compelling as we thought? Um, Look, all signs seem to indicate that uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback of the Jets. And as such, obviously, they play the Bills twice. They've got an incredible schedule this year. They play Kansas City. They play Dallas. They play Philly. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback, we're going to do something with those games. If Aaron Rodgers isn't the quarterback of the Jets, we're going to do something with those games, but maybe not as much. So to answer your question, Matt, it's sort of a, you know, assume he's going to be the quarterback for now. And, you know, recording this here, we are, what, a week and a half before the draft? If 10 days from now, he's not yet traded to the jets uh we might have to hedge a little bit just in case you never know these things could get done in june or july uh obviously the schedule comes out in may it is what it is at that point but um as we see here today on whatever it is april 18th uh yeah we're we're assuming for now that he's gonna be the quarterback of the jets and the schedule reflects that if we get through the draft and there's any kind of indication that it may not happen um, we might hedge a little bit and kind of shift some of our focus. Not not entirely. It won't necessarily be a start from scratch, but it might be a, a, a pullback just a little.
2: I'll, I'll give credit to uh, our afternoon host on WGR, Mike Shope, who's a scheduled nerd like me and said he would ask you if he was on this. So I'll ask him for you. Do you get any like insight into that? like? I mean, I'm not to say that teams are calling you saying who they're going to trade for necessarily, but is there something maybe you might be clued into on, Hey, expect this guy to be back from an injury he had, you know, last year. So it's okay to put him a little bit earlier or expect maybe this guy to, to move teams. Let's be careful about putting them on prime time too many times.
1: I wish <laughs> I <laughs> wish, I really do. It, it would really be helpful. Um, yeah. But the honest answer to the question is no, we follow, you know, Adam Schefter's <laughs> Twitter feed, like everybody else and react as quickly as we can um, like we said, when Brady went to the Bucs or when Peyton Manning had his free agency tour, like we were literally watching NFL Network every day. And every time the private plane touched down in uh, Nashville, we ran a Peyton Manning to the Titans schedule. And then when he touched down in San Francisco, it's a Peyton Manning to the Niners schedule. And then he went to Miami. And what would that look like? Um, we're, we're fans like everybody else. We follow it like everybody else. I wish we had a little bit more insight but the truth is none of us know right the Jets and the Packers are still talking I I don't think any of us know what's going to happen and when Um, honestly Lamar Jackson and the Ravens I don't think any of us know what's going to happen and when Um, so you kind of have to take your best shot use whatever intel you have but truthfully I I don't have any more than you do we're all just kind of guessing and Um, hoping that, you know, either we made the right decision and it turned out the way we thought, or uh, if we didn't, um, you know, there's still a compelling storyline, even though what we thought was going to happen wasn't exactly what transpired you want
0: the most compelling storylines. And I've always been wondering when you're putting together a schedule, is there one thing that maybe stands out more than the others is market size. The most important aspect. Is it the quarterbacks that are playing games? Is it rivalries? Like what goes into those decisions, knowing that there's so many different factors that are kind of pulling you in all of these different directions.
1: Yeah. All of it. I mean, you, you hit it, you hit it a top, a couple of them. Um, You know, Some of its weather, some of its history, some of its uh, records, some of it's the last time these two teams played each other, a player returning to his former team, a coach returning against his former team. Um, We meet with, you know, all 32 teams and they give us some uh, suggestions, requests. Uh, guidance relative to stadium availability or other events going on in their markets when they want to travel. I heard you earlier talking about, you know, not wanting to go to Florida in September, you know, nobody wants to go to Florida in September. <laughs> nobody wants to go to Buffalo in January. Nobody right? wants to early buy. Nobody wants to play a team coming off of their buy. So, you know, you're going to have to break some eggs to make this omelet. And it's really just a matter of trying to, again, find that balance, um, know you hit on a lot of them certainly you know market size matters relative to television ratings but you know it's not like we're always going to put the biggest markets on television if they're the records don't warrant it so um it's it's quarterbacks that's a big part of it obviously uh and you hinted at rivalries divisional rivalries especially those division games uh they just they just hit harder they they feel different and so real judicious use of those division games trying to find the right cadence you don't want to play them all in the first six weeks and not have any division games left until week 18 you also maybe don't want to start a division series until too late in the season uh there's times when we get a division series maybe a couple of weeks apart weeks 12 and 14 13 and 15 something like that uh if there's a competitive division race going on those are great if there's a quarterback injury or a division race has been decided you kind of kept your powder dry for nothing and you waited too long to deploy some of those assets. So it's a real fine line sometimes, but um, look, we're fans like everybody else. And like you said, each of these 272 games mean something. And it's really about getting maximum value for each one of those games for our fans. We're not doing our jobs. If we put the best games in windows where only, you know, 14 or 18% of the country can see it. And we're not doing our jobs if we're putting games into the national television windows that just don't feel like, you know, worthy of that kind of spotlight. So it's trying to, you know, do a little aim high steering and, and guess really who's going to be good and who isn't. And then when you have to fall back on things and rely on, you know, the old standbys, it's it's quarterbacks, it's superstars, it's divisional games, it's it's things that we all care about as fans.
2: Well, we'll get into all the Bills stuff in a little while here. Mike North, VP of Broadcast Planning. I do want to touch on some general NFL things. Let's go back and uh, talk about the last couple of years with the Monday night game on the divisional round, um, wildcard round for the the Monday night game. What's been the reception the last couple of years? How tough has it been for you guys to slot that? I know that you've done the 4-5 matchup, I think, so that doesn't alter the following week. But you're always going to have teams, fan bases, kind of complaining about a disadvantage. How's that worked for you guys?
1: Look, I think we got a little lucky, quite honestly, that first year of the Monday night game, it was Rams Cardinals
2: mm-hmm.
1: and mm-hmm. the Rams won the game on a Monday and had to travel across the country on a short week to Tampa and got a W. Mm-hmm. I think if they had gone to Tampa and gotten beat, uh, they would have had a, you know, probably a little bit different reaction. Um, the fact that, you know, teams face these kind of challenges all season long. This is nothing new for our teams, um, you know, having to play on Monday night and then turn around and get ready for Sunday. What they always tell us is as long as we know, we can plan for it. And yeah. so, you know, that you're playing on Monday, you know, if you're playing the Monday wildcard game, you know, you're playing the following Sunday. And as you mentioned, if we play the four or five game on Monday of wildcard weekend, then, you know, whoever is waiting for the winner of that game knows, one game to watch and we get the winner and we get them on Sunday and the other two teams in that conference know they're playing each other and they know they're playing Saturday. So they can start planning, you know, Sunday night as soon as they win their wild card game. So there's some, you know, agreeable symmetry to play in the four or five game on Monday. I I, I can't tell you we're always going to play the four or five game on Monday. Sometimes it may just not make sense relative to, you know, travel or stadium availability or weather or a million other reasons that go into our schedule. Um, but where we can, yeah, the four or five kind of makes sense. And I think the fact that the Rams did it that first year, went cross country on a short week and got a win and went to the Super Bowl. Hard to say that the Monday wild card hurt them. And then you look at last year where we played that Dallas Tampa game and it did whatever it did, 30, 35 million viewers. Our fans can find the games on Monday night. And, you know, versus playing that game on a Saturday at one o'clock and playing a triple header Saturday and a triple header Sunday. Uh, this has worked out really well. I think we're happy with it. I think ESPN's happy with it. And like I said, I think our clubs have kind of adjusted to it. And you know, it's not a day that they don't normally play. It's not a time slot they don't normally play. It's it's standard practice for our clubs now.
0: You guys have had you know flex scheduling implemented for a while as far as Sunday night football is concerned, and now it becomes a thing with Monday night football. From your standpoint, does it give you maybe more flexibility or potential to maybe take higher risk options with some scheduling because you know that if something doesn't work out and you take the risk on it, then you can just flex a potentially better matchup into multiple slots as opposed to just one slot?
1: You know, it's a good question. I I think, honestly, for this first couple of years, as we are flexing, not just from a Sunday afternoon to a Sunday night, like your point is valid. We could put a riskier quote unquote Sunday night game in December, knowing oh, if we get there and one or both of these teams are out of it, we'll just flex. No problem. We'll fix it in post. Um, but we even really haven't. I mean, we flex maybe one and a half, 1.7 times a year. Historically, last year was a bit of an outlier. We had three or four of them and uh you know, I, I think flexing on Sunday night, everybody's kind of gotten accustomed to it. Our clubs handle it really well. Our fans, while frustrated, understand it. Um, you know, moving a game from a Sunday to a Monday or from a Monday to a Sunday is going to be new for all of us. And I, I think we're going to try to be pretty judicious with it. So I, I don't think we're going to be as, you know, call it cavalier with our scheduling on Monday night. I, I don't think that's the plan going in. I think the plan would be, as always, you know, pick primetime games that you think are going to matter in December and hope that they hold up. Um, We've been, like I said, very conservative with our flexing on Sunday nights, no more than one or two a year most years. I think we'll be even more conservative with Monday. So I don't think we're gonna, you know, take real risks on the Monday night schedule. I don't think that's what ESPN wants. And I don't think that's what our teams want. We put you in prime time. It's because you deserve it and and you've earned it. And I think we have every expectation that, you know, when we get there, that game will mean something. And kind of to your point earlier, it's quarterbacks, it's brands, it's division games, you know, maybe less likely to be flexed than something, you know, interconference, two teams that don't play each other very much. I don't think we'll be that risky with it. I think that we'll try to be pretty conservative about it. Look, it'll happen at some point. None of us know anything. We're guessing, you know, who's going to be good in six months. Good luck. Uh, We don't know who's going to be good in September, no less December, (laughs) but um, it'll happen at some point, but I don't think we're going to be, you know, planning for it. I think we're going to be planning to play the schedule as it lies. All
2: right. So on that note, I was at the owner's meetings uh, in Phoenix. A lot of stuff about Thursday night football. So a couple of different items here. Um, Number one, can you explain the new rule so everybody understands now how you can now play two short week Thursday night games? Because the Bills actually played three Thursdays last year, but one was the opener. One was seven days after they played a Thursday. And also, there seems to be some momentum towards flex scheduling on a thurs, on Thursday night football. Can you kind of tell us about where all that stands?
1: Yeah. The, uh, the multiple short week appearances isn't new. Happened last year. Dallas and Tennessee both played two short weeks. That's playing a game, you know, Sunday to Thursday or Dallas and Tennessee when they played each other in week 17 played Saturday to Thursday. So uh, a team playing multiple short weeks in the same season, we've done it now. Uh, and we'll do it a little more frequently the rule that was passed that the owners voted on was allowing more teams to play multiple short weeks so what it really comes down to is if you're out the Thursday schedule not just the Amazon schedule but Thanksgiving as well you guys know you've played Thanksgiving a bunch recently Um, that's a short week also so that's a perfect example if the Bills find themselves yet again playing on Thanksgiving um, you know, Amazon is going to say, hey, that's all well and good for Thanksgiving and kudos to CBS, Fox and NBC for landing a Bills game that day. Uh, but we hello, Amazon, we, we'd still like a Bills appearance, please. Um, right. We're going to need then a second short week. So um, it'll be balancing the teams that are playing on Thanksgiving while also wanting to give them an Amazon appearance. And it'll also be, you know, some of what we've talked about a lot is, you know, play your way in the prime time. And we've been having this conversation for for a couple of years now. You know, the Bills have obviously played their way on. Uh, There are teams that maybe are at the other end of the spectrum with their records lately and maybe haven't played their way into primetime. So instead of obligating them and their fans and the fans all around the country to have that team or those teams in primetime, maybe you leave them off when the schedule comes out in May so a couple of teams don't get a Thursday at all. And just by doing the math in order to fill out the rest of the Thursday night football schedule, there's going to be a couple of more teams that are going to replace them. So if a few of the teams that are struggling recently are left off the Thursday night schedule and a couple of teams that are more, you know, 500 records or above or big markets or big quarterbacks or all the other things we talked about, you know, those are the games that our fans want to see. So a few more teams each year playing multiple short weeks should improve the primetime schedule, which at the end of the day is trying is the job here we're trying to get the best games in the best windows and if a team isn't scheduled for Thursday night football isn't scheduled for a primetime game you can still like we said play your way into primetime whether it's flexible scheduling whether it's our Saturday TVD pools there's always a chance to kind of you know catch on to the hot story if a team that we didn't quite see coming you know catches lightning in the bottle and and, and is playing for something late in the season we'll make sure to move those games in the national windows so I know that there's
0: – is. does every team get a primetime game or every team – that's not a rule. You don't have not to a have rule. a primetime game. It just feels like rule. most of the time it works out that way. Well,
1: again, just, just by doing the math, as we were filling out a Thursday night football schedule and you had a limit on the number of teams that could play short weeks, you really needed – almost everybody in the league to have to play a Thursday game with the new rule. Now that you can double up a couple of teams, you don't need every team to okay. appear in the national television window. That being said, none of us know who's going to be any good. So we kind of like the idea of everybody at least having, you know, one opportunity, let the fans see them. You know, you get a team that didn't get a lot of primetime exposure and then suddenly they go, you know, 10 and seven and sneak into the wild card race. And now they're on television in January in a playoff game. And most of the country hasn't even met them yet. That's probably not our best look either. So trying to find a way to get everybody, whether it's one of those 9.30 a.m. London games, which you guys are playing in this year, whether it's the Saturday pool, you know, picking games later as we get closer to the game date uh, or using flexible scheduling. It's trying to catch, you know, like we said, the right storylines, the the surprise teams who have earned a little additional exposure uh, that maybe we didn't see coming in May.
0: And then Go is on. there Go a... Ahead. Is there a limit to primetime games? Because I know you've talked about this with Sal in the past. Do you guys have a number that you operate with? And I guess the follow up to that would be what exactly qualifies as a primetime game besides night games? Like does Thanksgiving count as a primetime game? Does- yeah,
1: there's a couple of different ways to look at it. Uh, when we talk about primetime, um, we're really thinking, frankly, more about the fans. Uh, you know, you can be scheduled for six primetime games. And as a result of flex, you could get moved into a seventh. And if you happen to catch, you know, four of them at home and it's your year to be the conference with only eight home games, you know, that's half the schedule for the season ticket members and the fans to come out at night. You know, if it's a West Coast team, probably not as impactful as if it happened in Buffalo or Philadelphia or New York or Boston. So uh, the primetime quote unquote rule is, is really more about fan friendliness um what what you're talking about the way we look at it is really more of an appearance rule um you know cbs and fox get their minimums most of our games are still played on sunday afternoons but obviously over the years we've expanded our footprint we've got more primetime games more mouths to feed more games in foreign countries you know those appearances that are not a sunday afternoon there's a limit to the number of times we can do that too so we're trying to balance across all the media partners. But the simple answer to your question is you can be in prime time, six times you can be flexing as a seventh. That does not include Thanksgiving. That does not include a Saturday afternoon. That does not include an early morning London, you know, just by definition of prime time, those aren't night games, but the night games are really more about trying not to ask too much of our fans, especially if we're going to end up flexing. And then you're going to have to change your plans and, you know, As a fan watching on television, moving a Buffalo Bills game into a nighttime slot uh, in December with a little bit of, you know, Lake Erie weather is is great to watch on TV. It's it's a lot to ask of the fans. So not sure we want to do that too often. So kind of balancing, you know, what we need for our television partners and, you know, uh, our fans watching on television with also the impact we know we're having on the fans in the stadium.
2: Mike North, VP of broadcast planning here and it's always game day in Buffalo, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. One thing that is new this year, Mike, is the black Friday game. Uh, what can you tell us about that? How's it going to work? And you know, what kind of maybe thoughts do you have on, you know, what kind of matchups you put there?
1: Yeah. Look, anytime we try something new, uh, I, I assume we're going to try to, you know, put something fun and interesting and compelling in there. Again, we're guessing what's going to be relevant uh, in week 12. And, You know, like we said, you guys have been a part of Thanksgiving Day these last few years. It's a fine needle uh, to thread, really, when you think about you need three games on Thursday. You need a good 425 Eastern Time doubleheader game on Sunday. You need a Sunday night game. You need a Monday night game. And you still need compelling inventory and quality for the one o'clock and four o'clock windows for CBS and Fox on Sunday. Now find another good game in there somewhere and, and stick it in on Friday. Um, Look, I I don't think we're going to go with, you know, the biggest game of the year, but I, I think you're going to see a, a pretty good game in there for Friday, assuming we can, you know, connect all the dots. Uh, It'll be interesting. You know, Amazon is becoming part of the culture, becoming part of the experience for our fans. Um, You know, nobody's going to be surprised by it anymore. We know the games are on Amazon and, We know that last year they proved that it, you know, looks and sounds like an NFL game, you know, when Fred Goodell is producing it now and uh, Kirk are calling it. It it certainly looked and sounded like NFL football. So uh, I don't I think you can remove that barrier to entry. I think everybody kind of understands now it's here to stay. Wasn't a one year or two year experiment. It's a 10 year partnership. So our games are going to be on Amazon Prime. This one, as I understand it, is actually going to be in front of the paywall. So you don't need an Amazon Prime subscription to watch the Black Friday game. So everybody will get a chance to see it. And as such, I I think we're going to want to find you know a good compelling game in there that that it hopefully still relevant by the time we get to it in week 12 while also still feeding all the other mouths that week so again you know you can't use Dallas you can't use Detroit they're spoken for on Thursday but um you know you could see a Bills game in there you could see an Eagles game in there you could see a Packers game in there you could see a Chiefs game in there it'll be something that sounds good that sounds fun that sounds interesting a division game might make a lot of sense there as, as you kind of start that run to the playoffs post thanksgiving Um, And again, it'll probably just kind of all fold into what that whole weekend is going to look like now. It's going to be a a lot of football. It's going to be a lot of fun. What time will that put?
2: Sorry, Matt. What time will that game kick off?
1: Yeah, we're looking for an afternoon kickoff there. Uh, Haven't settled it in entirely yet, but, you know, we know there's a lot of other sports going on that day. We know it's a family day. We know it's a shopping day, Uh, but we're probably looking at an afternoon kickoff. Not going to be at night. Uh, it'll be in the afternoon sometime we're still working through that with amazon
0: so mike i've been married for four years and the bills have played on thanksgiving three of those years so if you could put in a good word with whoever needs to know to maybe have that friday game instead of the thursday game i think my wife would appreciate it this yeah, year you may,
1: need so to, uh, you may need to send her to the supermarket without you again uh, yeah
0: <laughs> exactly i need all the help that i can get mike I have a question, and I think this is something that there have been misconceptions about, and I don't know the answer, and I'm somebody who works in television. What are the rules for networks protecting games? Is that a thing? Because last year, I'm sitting there thinking the Chiefs-Bills divisional game was one of the best sporting events that I've ever seen. I imagine that has to be in primetime, and then the schedule comes out, and it's a CBS 425 game. Does CBS get a chance to be like, no, NFL, this is the game we're protecting. We need this on our network. How does that work?
1: Nobody protects anything in April and May. Everybody has requests. Everybody has suggestions. Everybody feels like we owe them one from some perceived slight somewhere in recent memory. Um, But nobody protects anything uh, now. We meet with all the network partners. Everybody kind of gives us a wish list. Truth is, you could fill out those wish lists for all of our partners. We all can look at the 272 games and pick the 10 or 15, you know, must-see TV games. So there's not a lot of drama in their request lists. Um, when we talk about protecting a game, there is that concept. Once a season has started and we start getting into the flexible scheduling weeks, then there are opportunities for CBS and Fox to protect a game from Sunday afternoon. As you can imagine, you know, the game was scheduled in May. It was on CBS. They've been planning for it, preparing for it, getting ready for it. And then two weeks out, here comes that horrible phone call from Mike and, hey, we're going to take that game away from you. And in their minds, you're just going to take it from us and give it to my competitor, give it to the primetime partner. How's that fair? So there is this concept of protecting a game that CBS and Fox can do on a Sunday afternoon, protect it from going to primetime, protect it from getting cross-flexed to the other partner. But that's, you know, mid-season on that's not right. there's no right. such thing here in March and April. And, yeah, it's a little confusing because it, there are a lot of so-called experts out there kind of, you know, giving their two cents and giving the impression that, you know, NBC gets to pick this one and CBS gets to pick that one. There's no such thing as part of the schedule making process. All 272 games, especially now with the new media deals that kick in this year, literally every single game is a toss-up. Every game's a free agent. Every game's a jump ball. And the scheduling team, like we said, is trying to look at all 272 of these games and figure out the right home for each one of them. You can't put all the good games on NBC. You can't put all the good games on Fox. You got to let everybody have a couple of bites of the juiciest apples and then hope that your crystal ball in May is pretty clear by the time you get to no less, you know, November and December, but even September, you know, we're going to put games on the schedule for the early part of the season. That sound fun and interesting. And, and, you know, let's get everybody kind of reacquainted and and re-engaged with the NFL. And then you want big games through the middle of the season, leading into the holiday period. You want big games at the end of the season. We finish the season with all division games. Once we get to that point, there's a protection or two, but not in March and April, they're all up to us.
2: All right. So to be clear, Bills Chiefs, they're playing again this year. Even if CBS goes, pounds the table. Mike, we we have, this is our game again. Hey, you respect that, but they have no right to claim it necessarily. That's basically what you're saying, right?
1: Correct. Yep, it's 100% right. And look, you think about a Bills Chiefs game, you think about a... Bengals Chiefs have been you know, having a pretty good rivalry developing there in the AFC. And like we said, Kansas City's got a really interesting schedule this year. They play Green Bay. They play the Jets, assuming Aaron Rodgers is there. That game's pretty interesting. Every AFC West game is going to be compelling now. So there's going to be a lot of good Chiefs games. If CBS really wanted buff Kansas City and they didn't get it, I'm sure they're going to be hoping that they got Cincy, Kansas City, right. or Charge Kansas City. And, you know, the job here for us is to kind of spread them all around a little bit so that everybody feels like, hey, I didn't get everything I wanted, but I got enough of what I wanted. I, I feel like I was treated fairly at the end of the day. That's all we could do. Kind of make sure that everybody feels like they were heard and taken care of to a certain extent. Um nobody loves their schedule. No team loves their schedule. No network loves their schedule. Everybody's got a little something to gripe about. Hopefully it's just a little something and hopefully it's kind of even across the board. If any one of the television partners calls us the day after the schedule and says, oh, champagne on the way. It's the best schedule we've ever got. uh, That's probably not our best schedule. Same with any team. If there's any team that is thrilled beyond belief with their schedule... I'm sure the other three division opponents probably aren't feeling so good about that. So basically, it's trying to disappoint everybody evenly and and hopefully just a little.
0: Mike, how does the balancing act work for the first game of the year? Because this is something we talked about last year with the Bills specifically because they started the year against the Rams. Like, obviously, no, this year the Chiefs are going to be playing that first game of the year. In my mind, I'm always like, listen, we are football junkies. We will watch the first game no matter who is there. But you also want to start with a compelling fun product. So we're sitting there again here in Buffalo and we're like, hey, Bill's Chiefs, like you could start the season with that, and everybody would be hyped. But at the same time, you could start Chiefs versus the JV football team on Grand Island, and I would still be watching that game.
1: Yeah, I'd watch that one too. Yeah. Um, no, look, I'm out in the for JV Grand
0: Island Vikings, Matt. Yeah
1: bills are in the conversation there's no question um as we hinted at though like kansas city's got a really good schedule this year and a really good home schedule so as football junkies you're right we're gonna watch just about anything we put on kickoff there in kansas city you could make a real good case for buffalo you could make a real good case for any of the division games the chargers always play them tough the raiders have a new quarterback the broncos have a new coach any of those would be pretty interesting in week one you could look at the nfc games detroit maybe the hottest team in the league last year down the stretch. Wouldn't it be fun to kind of reward them with that kind of showpiece game and and go in there week one and and try to give the Chiefs a game? I think Chicago's really interesting. I'd watch Bears-Chiefs that opening game. I think Justin Fields, you know, a lot of quarterbacks in this league kind of figure it out in year two, and that guy was all kinds of exciting last year. I would watch that. I Like we said, Bills would be great. Cincinnati would be great. Philly would be interesting, right? You could just kind of pick up where we left off in that fun Super Bowl. It was a, you know, track meet back and forth. Let's run it back. Let's pick it up right where we left off. So it's rare to have a year like this. And it's due obviously, you know, a lot due to Kansas City and and the compelling nature of that team and their record the last few years and a couple of Super Bowl wins. We could play just about any of their home games, and I think it would go pretty well. So now it becomes, like you hinted at, the balancing act of could you – I don't want to say get away with, but could you, you know, use the analytics, use the math, use the science? Could you put a game into kickoff that might not be the biggest game, but it's still going to deliver X many viewers and still going to keep the fans interested from May through September when we finally start our season again? And then you could save a Buffalo Kansas City or a Cincy Kansas City or a Philly Kansas City for later in the season, when you might be able to get just as much, if not more value out of it, assuming all those teams are still good and competitive. You can't go wrong playing it in week one. Everybody's tied for first. You start saving some of those games and saying, oh, I'm counting on this to mean something in December. And then, you know, you get an injury, you get a bad break, you go the other way and somebody's already clinched a playoff spot. I wouldn't want to, you know, waste one of our best games of the year by waiting too long to play it. So it's trying to strike the balance. It's trying to give the computers and the software Uh, you know, enough flexibility to kind of have an opportunity, like we said, to disappoint everybody evenly. You got to have some three game road trips in there. There's going to be some travel considerations. There's going to be teams coming off buys, playing teams on the road. I mean, there's going to be all kinds of things that people are going to be frustrated by. Um, I don't want necessarily to let, you know, us deciding right now kickoff has to be Buffalo, Kansas City, whatever's down that road. We're prepared for it. I like the idea of giving the computers and the software a little bit more flexibility and then letting the humans kind of see a finished jigsaw puzzle and then react to it. Well, kickoff's better than we had hoped or better than we had planned, but it's okay. Look at what we got for the rest of Sunday night or CBS or ESPN and just kind of see as many contender schedules as you can with as many different options as you can and hopefully pick the winner.
2: All right. You're making me A, feel feel good on one point and feel bad on another. Here's why I feel good. I've been saying Chicago as well. I think it's a compelling team. I I think that would fit, and we've been talking about that on the radio, and I think, you know, I wouldn't go against Chicago with Justin Fields and what they're doing in the offseason. But I've been of the mindset, and now you're convincing me the other way could be possible. Mike? would you really put the Bills on two years in a row in that game? I I went back and looked. I don't think it's ever been the same team two years in a row if the team didn't win the previous year's Super Bowl. I think the Saints did it two years in a row, one year after they won the Super Bowl. I did the research on it, and I – keep thinking to myself, no, they're not going to do that, are they?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're probably right. I'll be honest. I haven't looked back. Um, whatever it's been, eight or ten years that we've been having the Super Bowl champion open at home, you're probably right. We probably haven't done, you know, the same team on the road going into the building for the banner raising. Um, that being said, I suspect we probably hadn't played a team three out of four years on the road on Thanksgiving. Right. So. You know, rules are not even rules. Uh, history is meant to be made. Um, look, I, I think as a Bills fan, you know, you could make an argument on both sides, right? You could go into Kansas City in Week One. You obviously had success going into LA last year's kickoff. Maybe you catch them before they get hot. I don't know. You know how the Bills fans and the Bills coaches and players would feel about it versus you know waiting until later in the season and going to Buffalo, uh, going to Kansas City when. You know, they're playing a little better when uh, you guys are a little banged up, when, you know, you're coming off a road game in New York with Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback. Maybe there's no better time to go there than week one. Maybe catch a little better weather than you might catch in November, December. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I wish I could give you a better, you know, mathematical answer, but I could tell you right now you're you got a one and eight shot. I I think that's kind of how we're looking at it. Uh, Just about any Chiefs opponent. Uh, would make some sense for kickoff. The Chiefs are also going over to Germany next year. So when you think about what would you rather do, would you rather go to Kansas City in week one or would you rather go with Kansas City to Germany in November? Um, And and not just for you, but for every team that's playing at Kansas City this year. So a lot to think about, um, but I I think we're we're pretty open-minded and I think we're going to be pretty happy with literally just about whatever game falls in there for kickoff.
0: Mike, you brought up the Germany thing with Kansas City, so the Bills going to London for the second time this upcoming season. And one of the questions that Sal and I had been talking about on the podcast prior to this was, Bills are getting a new stadium, and the company, the architect that's designing the stadium is the same group that built Tottenham Stadium, which is where the Bills are going. Is that a coincidence, or is that part of the reason why the Bills will be playing in that specific stadium also will be going to London as opposed to, you know, Germany, like Kansas city is doing.
1: Yeah. Look, I, you'd have to ask our international team. I'd be surprised if the reason that the bills were selected this year for London was because of the architects. I don't think that probably factored into the calculus. I I think it really, what it came down to was, um, you know, the, every team in the league is going to give up one home game every eight years. Um, And I think what they did was they looked at the likelihood of the stadium being online soon and not wanting to give up one of those home games when you're in the new building. Got to do it at some point. Haven't done it in a while. Um, You know, it's a combination, I think, of, you know, a little bit of volunteer and a little bit of uh, arm twisting, uh, just trying to find the right teams. Again, it's only coming out of the conference with the extra home game every year. and then there's some marketing sides to it as well. Uh, what's the fan base like for these teams in London? What's the fan base like for these teams in Germany? What's the fan base like for these teams in Mexico? We're not doing Mexico this year, but I assume we'll be back there next year. So, again, it's another, yet another balancing act, yet another set of constraints that we're trying to not just solve for 2023, but also thinking about who's going internationally in 24, 25, 26. Um, don't think the architecture firm had a vote in this.
2: Well, it is interesting because I know the Bills, at, because it's a home game, will use it as an opportunity for fans to see the kind of stadium they're going to be playing in in 2026 yeah. here in Buffalo, across the street in Orchard Park. So it is interesting the Bills will you know, take advantage of that, so to speak, which is pretty cool they'll be able to do that. Um, do you know of any insider reason why it was the Chiefs and the Patriots who were selected to play in Germany this year? Is there some analytics on certain uh, teams or sites, or is that just the way it went?
1: I think it was probably a little bit of the, like we said, a little bit of the marketing. I'm I'm not the expert on this, but I know that certain teams have international home markets and they get certain rights uh, in terms of marketing their team in those markets. I believe Kansas City and New England and Carolina and a couple others have Germany. So, um, again, I think it was a bit of a volunteer and a bit of a kind of long-term plan Um, The first game in Germany last year was wildly successful. I think we're really looking forward to going back there again. Um, You know, you guys probably remember when we were playing World League or NFL Europa, You know, they were getting 50,000, 60,000 people in their stadiums for our games over there. So uh, there's obviously a, 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 a rabid fan base and, and a thirst for some of these teams. So it was probably a combination of, again, a little bit of volunteer, a little bit of long term planning by our international folks. I, I don't know this for a fact, but I suspect they probably have a road map going out four, five, eight, ten years thinking about, all right, who's going to go to London? Who's going to go to Germany? Uh, are we going to play, you know, when we go back to Mexico and, and where else might we play? Um, I, I suspect our international folks have thought this through and, and are working closely with our club. So I, I don't think, like i kind of joking about a bit of a hand raising and a bit of an arm twisting. I don't think there's that much arm twisting anymore. I think our teams are excited to go out, and, and I think they've really kind of, if not routine, I think they've kind of cracked the code on going over there you know they used to go over you know the monday right after their, their sunday game and spend the whole week and get acclimated and that meant practice and and hotels and and all that kind of stuff and now most teams i think they kind of go over friday even saturday they stay on their body clock they play the game and because we're playing in the afternoon over there for morning time over here you know you guys will be back in buffalo you know Midnight, Sunday night, you'll be back in Buffalo before you would if you played, you know, at the Niners or the Seahawks. So I think everybody's kind of figured it out. It's become a lot more routine and evidenced by the fact that most teams don't even take their bye week anymore after London. They come back and play another home game and kind of push that bye later in the season.
0: You like naturally brought that up so perfectly. So we actually talked to Micah Hyde today and he was asked about the London game and he said, you know, I think we get the bye after that. Is that a choice? Do the teams that are going get to choose if they get the bye week? Yeah. Look,
1: if if you knew you were playing, you know, in London in week four or week five, you're signing up right now for a week five or a week six bye. And some teams would say, yep, that's fine. I've been in camp since, you know, late July. I'll take that break right there and then I'll gird up for the last six weeks. I know I've got a Thursday game probably coming at some point so i'm going to get that little mini buy, that 10 day break after my thursday game and uh, i'm i'm good with my bye week in week 5 or week 6 other teams most teams frankly if you look back at recent history most of our teams when they play london in in september and october they'll come back to a home game and just keep rolling just stay in their routine and hope that that bye week falls closer to kind of mid season 9 10 11 um you know, the buys go as late now as week 14. So if you're girding up for a playoff run, you know, that week 14 by could be pretty useful. I remember, I'm pretty sure it was Brady, right? The first year Brady went to the bucks. They had a week 14 by, I think they got beat in week 13, maybe by Kansas city. And they had a late bye and they came out of it and ran the table for regular season and four postseason. So, um, you know, the bye week generally falls right when you need it, whenever it falls. Um, But I I think a lot of teams look back, you know, the last couple of years, most of the teams playing September and October games in London are coming back to a home game and just keep rolling and hoping that bye week falls closer to midseason.
2: I'm glad you mentioned the dates there. Um, I I know it hasn't been official yet. Is that generally when it's going to occur? Bill's fans, they keep asking me, right? I mean, when's the London game? When's the London game? We don't know for sure. It hasn't been officially announced. Will that be announced before the actual schedule? Do you know any dates on that? Or will that just come out in one lump sum here?
1: Look, the last couple of years, I, th- I think sort of as the schedule release has become, you know, a bigger thing, uh, more of an offseason kind of tentpole event, I-, I think we've kind of extended that one day release into like a week long kind of breadcrumbs along the way as we go. And I think the international games have been part of that pretty consistently. So if I had to guess today, I would think if that schedule is coming out mid-May, I would think in a day or two or three immediately leading up to the actual release of the whole thing we'll probably announce the international games, but uh, look, you guys know, we, we work around, uh, you know, stadium availability, whether it's Tottenham or Wembley, there's obviously premier league teams playing in there. There's international breaks for those soccer teams. And that's generally where we play our football games. So, you know, the traditional kind of weeks, four, five, six, seven, that's about when we've historically played our London games. I think the latest we've gone is maybe week eight, but that's where we'll be again. It'll be in that same kind of late September, early October time frame. And again, the clubs kind of know about where it could fall, and depending on where it falls, they do, Matt, have the opportunity to decide, hey, if we're playing in week five, I'll take a home game the week after. If we're playing in week seven, I'll take my bye the week after. That's up to them.
0: Is there anything as primetime fatigue from your standpoint? Do you you guys ever consider, like, wow, this team has been in primetime a lot? Even if they're good, maybe this is the opportunity to pull him back a little bit, maybe go from the max to like four games. And you say, yeah, you're still going to be a prime time. But, you know, people are quite frankly sick of watching Team X or Team Y.
1: Yeah, look, the fans tell us, you know, they, they're they – first of all, they're not shy. <laughs> They'll find yeah. us if they need to. Um, But they tell us every day. They tell us when, you know, they watch television and, and we look at the Nielsen ratings. They tell us every time they – you know go on nfl.com and click on a video or click on a story they tell us every time they buy a hat or a jersey which teams they're most interested in they tell us every time they buy a ticket they tell us every time they place a bet i mean we are really trying to almost have this one-on-one relationship with you know every one of our 300 million fans or whatever it is i'm that's maybe a stretch but you know really trying to listen to the fans and and They'll tell us. Look, not to disparage anybody, but, you know, we talked about, hey, if Aaron Rodgers went to the Jets, would they be in a lot more national windows? They probably would. When Russell Wilson went to the Broncos last year, they moved into a lot of national windows. They obviously didn't have the season that they had hoped for. And, you know, I'm sure the Brown, the the Broncos and, and, you know, the players and the coaches and the ownership probably wouldn't have minded, you know, one or two less primetime games for the Broncos. Um, all that being said, you know, they played on Christmas. They played a, you know, game against the Rams that were also having a pretty disappointing season. It was not a competitive game and 23, 24 million people still watched. So primetime fatigue, if that game had drawn 10 million people, you know, I, I suspect we would have kind of rethought, you know, one or both of those teams in primetime this year, the fans tell us what they're interested in. And they, they tell us every day. And trying to listen to them again. It's hard when you're building this thing in April and may trying to gauge who's going to be compelling six months, seven months from now. But um, you know, our, our fans let us know every day with every action and every interaction with us and we try to pay attention to that as most we can.
2: I, I forgot one on Europe want I ask before I get to my next question. Do you, you
1: have had division
2: games, but they haven't been, a, there haven't been a lot of them. Do you, do you try to steer away from those or you just, if you do
1: it, you do it. When you get, Chosen to go for an international game. There's definitely some uh, by play back and forth between us and the clubs. And we talk Mm -hmm. about, hey, which of your home opponents would you be interested in playing overseas? Would you be willing to play overseas? And then we talk to the visiting teams, the potential visiting teams. Hey, you obviously know you're playing the Bills this year and you know the Bills have a game in London, so it could be you. And if it is you, how do you want to play it relative to the week before, to your bye, the week after, all those kind of things. And so we have those conversations with the host teams, the designated teams, uh, and with all potential opponents. Uh, We have played division games internationally before. Um, Generally, it's going to require the uh, approval of both teams. And, you know, you could argue it both ways. If you're the Bills and you're playing Miami, I'm sure you'd love to have Miami come up there in December uh in the snow um if you're miami i'm sure you'd say we'd much rather play buffalo in london than in december in the snow um so we talk to both ends of every division series and just talk about whether or not they'd be interested they'd be willing and try to make sure that you know nobody's blindsided by a decision that we make any hey. non. Oh, go ahead, Sal.
2: You know, I I want to ask about the Saturday game. So if you have something on Europe, go ahead, Matt. But I want to ask about the Saturday games.
0: Yeah, one more Europe question. Any non-starters on Europe? Like, can a team go back-to-back? Because that was something that was getting brought up when the Bills got selected to do the Europe game. People were trying to figure out, okay, who could it be? And then there were a lot of comments. Oh, well, it can't be this team because they played there last year. Or it can't be this team because they were there last year. Are there any rules on that end? Or that's null and void?
1: I, I wouldn't say null and void. I mean, there's no hard and fast rules. This is a you know pretty complicated puzzle, and sometimes you're going to have to compromise a little bit and, and have a tough conversation with a club. um Trying to spread it out fairly, trying to spread it out evenly. Generally speaking, I don't think we would endeavor to send the same team over you know consecutive years. That being said, I can tell you guys that, and I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here. I can tell you that. Uh, ran into Sean Payton in Phoenix at the owner's meeting and mentioned, oh, hey, you know, Denver played in London last year, probably not going to send you again. And he said, oh man, we'd go, we'd love it. It's a great bonding opportunity. He was talking about things like, you know, with the way training camp is a little different and the way, you know, practice time is a little different and time for the players in the facility is different than maybe it used to be. You know, these these bonding opportunities are few and far between. And so coach was talking about, hey, I know we went last year we'd go again, it would actually be really good for our football team, so don't hesitate to send us again. That would come out of a conversation, you know, like I said, with just about everybody who's a candidate. Um, there are certainly gonna be teams who are gonna say, hey, we've paid our dues, uh, cross us off the list as volunteers for this year. But again, you play more and more of these games and you try to spread them around. Everybody's gotta give up a home game at some point and you're probably gonna go over as a visiting team at some point every sort of four or five years. If the same team goes, you know, kind of like we were joking about Thanksgiving, if the same team's going three out of every four years, that's probably not right unless they're volunteering, unless they love it, unless they see a great opportunity for, you know, their players to bond with each other, for them to bond with their fans. It's a great trip to take your fans and sponsors over with you Mm -hmm. and you kind of build a little fan base over there in, you know, a foreign country and then those fans become fans and they come over here. For games you know in the fall um there's a lot of positives and a lot of peripheral around just the 60-minute football game and again I don't think we would shove it down anybody's throat if they were adamantly opposed but um it'll be a conversation with literally every team who's a candidate and trying to figure out who's good with it who would prefer not to and and who's really begging for it
2: well the Broncos are a candidate for the Bills this year obviously because they are on the schedule so that's interesting and thanks for sharing that and Ron Rakuya, the Bills um, Executive Vice President COO, told us at the owners' meetings that there's been a really high demand for tickets for this game already for the Bills. So I know Bills fans are excited about going over to London for this home game. So they're hopefully going to resonate um, well over there.
1: I, I want to transition. Go ahead. It's spectacular. I don't know if you guys went last time, but. Yeah, it was awesome. Yes. Ah, it's so good. I mean, it's very different than what we're used to. They still probably cheer a little too much for the punts, but it is a spectacular, (laughs) spectacular experience and could not recommend it more highly to to everybody to try to do it at least once. It's great. And I I
2: travel with the team, Mike, and we did that. Actually, what we did, we – we played the Bengals and then on a Sunday and literally showed back up to the stadium that night. And when we were there by Monday morning, like you said, which was wild, stayed at this great resort called the Grove. I think it was. And they had everything. I mean, they do cricket field and they had a football field, but you're right. Uh, my buddy's the sideline reporter for the Buccaneers, TJ Reeves. They went out to Germany last year. He said, Sal, we left on Thursday.
1: Yep. Everybody does it different.
2: Yep. So we'll see where it goes now. All right. We'll I want to transition All right, go ahead. to some Bill's talk, but. This is a general NFL question as we do that. The Saturday games. The Bills have been on this Saturday flex schedule thing that you guys have done now for the last several years. I expect maybe they're one of the games again this year could wind up being moved. So it's always interesting to me the five games or so that you're going to choose from. First of all, how do you decide them? And what's been the response so far of those Saturday games and how you're placing them? Uh,
1: The response uh, has been better now than it was when we first did it. I think it took a little, I think it took everybody a little while to kind of understand what we were trying to do here. What it really was honestly was sort of that first kind of foray into flexible scheduling for something other than Sunday night football. Uh, The poster child, if I'm remembering correctly, I'm going back, I'm dating myself, but there was an NFL network Saturday game many, many years ago. And it was Indianapolis, Baltimore. And it felt like when we schedule it in May, these are going to be two teams that were going to be playing for something down the stretch. And so we put an Indianapolis Baltimore game on the NFL network schedule late season Saturday. And we were really happy to do it. And then by about week four or five, both of those had had some struggles. And so by the time we got there, it was a game on national television that I'm not sure either team felt good about being in. I'm not sure, you know, the broadcast partner felt good about being in. You're asking a lot of, you know, the fans to tune in on a non-traditional day for teams that, you know, I think were already eliminated from playoff contention. So the TBD pool was born out of, a, you know, necessity. Like we said, none of us know anything here in May. We're guessing which of these teams are going to be good and which of these games are going to matter down the stretch. So we've been selecting five games a weekend and calling them TBD, and everybody knows it's going to be Saturday or Sunday. We'll figure it out when we get there. The good news is if you're playing for something, we're going to get you on a national window. More fans can watch, more of the fans around the country. The challenge, obviously, operationally for the team, how many nights of hotel do we need? Can we get the charter for Saturday night or for Sunday night? And certainly for the ticket holders, we we acknowledge the challenges there. But we feel like everybody's kind of gotten their arms around it a little bit. This will be think you're seven and every team in the league now has been through it at least once so whether as a home team or a road team so everybody's been through it now and the response has been you know just again look at the viewership look at the numbers look at the ratings a chance to pick the games for national television two weeks out instead of six months out i like our chances better of picking a game that you know has some playoff implications so it's a challenge no doubt um it's an inconvenience but um like we said, you know, sometimes the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And while acknowledging the challenges for the ticket holders and the operational folks and the charter airlines and the hotel people, you know, getting that right game into a national television window and allowing 15, 18, 20 million people to watch the game that's more compelling, that it has playoff implications. That's sort of exactly what we're doing with flexible scheduling. So the TBD Saturday pools are, are really kind of that toe in the water for flex for the Saturdays.
0: You guys have, and for the bills, it's been really kind of like perfect timing with those Saturday games because they won an AFC East title for the first time in multiple decades on a Saturday game that was flexed. They clinched a playoff spot on a Saturday game. And I remember all of these because for the Saturday games, like Sal, the local affiliates get to bid on those games and we've had it for the last several years and it does huge numbers for us. So it's been pretty beneficial. I know it could ruffle some feathers for some people, but we've loved it. So keep on keeping on I guess (laughs) yeah look
1: the truth is I I mean I think we talked about this a few years ago Sal for a team like Buffalo before they had kind of cracked the national consciousness and before they became brand that Saturday pool is sort of like your your you know your 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 introduction maybe your 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 welcome to the party kind of thing um so when you talk about which games get selected for them you know you don't usually see Uh, a dallas game a kansas city game a green bay game a pittsburgh game to your point earlier matt those guys have plenty of prime time experience prime time exposure i'm not sure we need to expose those teams but maybe instead of like you were talking earlier about putting a team on monday night football and saying oh this might be a risk we might have to flex out of it do it the other way put them in the saturday pool and if they play their way on here's an opportunity to reward them for that instead of punishing them for, you know, our crystal ball not being clear in May. So, it's some of those kind of surprise teams, it's an opportunity for teams that maybe haven't kind of cracked the national consciousness yet to still have an opportunity and like we said, you're getting down the stretch right there. There's playoff implications for those games, people clinching playoff spots, getting eliminated, fighting to stay alive and these teams are going to be playing in January. It's good for our fans to kind of see them and meet them and watch them play a couple of times before it, you know, before it's uh, you know, elimination time.
0: Are the bills still in the upper echelon of the teams that are going okay. to be showcased because yeah. of the recent success and Josh Allen. Yes.
1: Full stop. Yes. You yeah, think yeah. about your, you know, your top end brands, you think about who do you want to watch? Who will you stay up to watch? Who will you change your plans to watch? The bills are absolutely in that category now. And, you know, Doing large part to the quarterback. Obviously, there's that next step that you have to take. You see how you know the Chiefs have sort of ascended and and kind of risen now with a couple of trophies. You know that's that's really the next step for the Bills. You know the regular season success is there. Um, it it's going to be a you know deep playoff run and a Super Bowl appearance and a, and a ring. That's really going to, you know, it it takes a while to kind of build yourself up and get into that upper echelon, but once you're there. You're kind of sticky, like people remember, and, and people become fans. And there are Bills fans now all across the country that maybe we haven't had since you know the four Super Bowls back in the 80s or 70s, whenever it was. So, um, the, the answer to your question is yes, the Bills are there, they're in a top tier, and their national television exposure will reflect that when the schedule comes out.
2: Well, you've mentioned a couple of times that they've played Thanksgiving three out of the last four years. Um, you know, can you get as Matt said earlier, primetime fatigue. Can you get Thanksgiving fatigue or oh no. Hey, we if this is this is going to work, this is going to work. You mentioned the, look, again, the
1: I, I, again, I would I would tell you that, you know, if their fans were tired of watching the Bills on Thanksgiving, we wouldn't be doing 30, 35, 38 million people for Bills I, games on Thanksgiving. So, um look, God's honest truth, I I'd be surprised if they ended up on Thanksgiving yet again to tell you it's an absolute non-starter, wouldn't be fair. Um but you know, they don't play Detroit. Um I don't know that you know a, a, a Thursday night game on NFL on uh, NBC is. You know, in the cards, my my hunches—they're probably not heading for Thanksgiving this year, but they're certainly in the conversation for Black Friday. They've got some real interesting games. That um, again, you talk about a, a a first time we're doing something like this—a national brand, a superstar quarterback—that's kind of what we're looking for. So they're certainly in the conversation. Be interesting to see what happens in a month, but uh, as we sit here today, they're absolutely in the conversation for Black Friday. <laughs>
0: Everybody always wants what they can't have, right? That's not just about the <laughs> schedule. That's about, like, life in general. But I remember when the Bills weren't featured in primetime a ton, it was always the Bills don't have any primetime games. They're playing 16 games on Sunday afternoon, and now they're in primetime all the time, and you've got a contingent of the fan base that's like, man, what we wouldn't do for a Sunday 1 o'clock game. On o'clock, yep. They only one <laughs> Sunday 1 o'clock game yep. last week before those we days, five.
1: Those days may be over for a while. Uh, those days are over. Yeah. It, there's still going to be a few There's there, There's always going to be a couple, but um, yeah, this is, this is the, you know, the coaches talk about this all the time. They talk about getting into a routine and especially for yeah. new coaches getting into a routine and they challenge us all the time. Hey, you know, I could really use like four Sunday, one o'clock games just to start the season. Like, coach that's not how this works man everybody wants to see you and everybody wants to see your quarterback and you know those Sunday one o'clock windows sometimes the best we could do is distribute that game to 25 or 30 percent of the country that's not fair to the rest of the fans to miss a good game because you know there's eight or nine other games going on at the same time so the better you get the more non-routine your schedule becomes and yeah there's obviously a section of the fan base that longs for the days of Sunday at one o'clock but you know that usually came with a, you know, four and 12 record. I think everybody would rather have what we have now. Uh, this is basically
2: a two part question, but it seems like the majority of the really good young quarterbacks you want to highlight are in the AFC, which obviously then, you know, gets you more towards maybe kind of leaning that way in primetime games. Maybe you don't want to and you want to even it out. But also, the second part of this is the Bengals. Are they now a team that's right up there? The Bills lost them in the playoffs. They've Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, team that now we can start seeing a lot more in the primetime window.
1: Yeah, I'll take the second part of your question first. There's okay. no doubt that if you think about, you know, that real upper tier of the AFC, I think you kind of got to start with the, you know, Trinity, the the Cincinnati, Buffalo, Kansas City. They keep winning their divisions, which means they keep playing each other. And every time those three teams play, Something crazy happens, and they're always good games, and that's probably where the conference is going to get decided. So, that's there's perfect. no question that's the upper tier of the AFC. I think if Aaron Rodgers signs with the Jets, you know, they're going to be maybe just below that. I think certainly early in the season, fan interest is going to be pretty high just to see, you know, what that's going to be like and what he's going to be like. They've got a little bit of a history there with Brett Favre coming over to the Jets a few years ago, and fan interest was spectacular I, I imagine something similar this time around then you've got your you know venerable brands your Pittsburgh's your New England's um and then like we said earlier you, you've got all these young quarterbacks you know the Chargers are phenomenally interesting I'd uh, love to know what's going to happen with Lamar we may not know before the schedule comes out um to a back for a fifth year in Miami I mean you could almost you know throw a dart and pick a good AFC matchup right now it's Great for the scheduling team. It, it's it's awesome to have that much inventory, that many good stories to be able to rely on. Um, that being said, you know, you've got your old standbys, you got your ones that you can always trust, you can always count on. Um, the interesting thing is you said the, the balance of power is maybe kind yeah. of shifted a little bit to the AFC, where for years it was always on the other side of the ledger. It was always Philadelphia and Chicago and Green Bay and San Francisco and Washington and New York, you know those teams are still good, but you talk about, you know, I, I watch all the time on NFL network or on Twitter and you talk about, Hey, show me the top five, top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL right now. It sure does seem like the vast majority of them are in the AFC. So almost anytime any of those teams are going to play each other, it's going to be compelling. It's going to be interesting. Um, and yeah, there, there's no question that uh, Buffalo Cincy, Kansas city is, is, is definitely up there at the top, at the top tier. That was the second part of your question. What was the first part? Yep, of your No, question? you got it.
2: That was just about the uh, – does it make it more challenging for you to say we, we can't have that many AFC versus NFC, but we still have yeah. to highlight these quarterbacks, yeah. you know?
1: Well, again, remember the new media deals that kick in with this year – we don't really have the distinction anymore between a AFC game and an NFC game. Literally all 272 are toss-ups. So, whereas in the old days, your point was valid. You can't take too many AFC games away from CBS and put them in prime time. You have to take, and it was the other way for a while, right? You could always find good NFC games for prime. You almost had to like, I don't want to say scrap to bottom of the barrel, but you almost had to like have a couple of reaches in there to get your AFC games. We don't have that issue anymore. All 272 games, every single one's a candidate for every single television window. Yes. There's still going to be an AFC slant to the CBS package and an NFC slant uh, to the Fox package. But it, it's, it's, if, if we all believe that more Buffalo, more Cincy, more KC, more Vegas, more New England, more Pittsburgh, more Miami and primetime is the right thing for the fans. We'll do it. What's
0: the rhyme or reason, if any, for a lot of the kind of trends that we see specifically when I'm talking about the bill schedule of like, okay, they play a game in September in Miami and they're going to go to New England sometime around Christmas. And then chances are Miami is going to be in Buffalo when it's (laughs) snowing. Are these things you guys kind of plan on?
1: No, honestly, most of that is, is random. If if it happens too many times in a row, I get the question. Um, But. The truth is, if it happens that many times in a row, we should probably put our thumb on the scale and go the other way. Um, th- there's there's no rhyme or reason to that. We're certainly not looking to send, you know, certain teams to Miami in September. or We're certainly not looking to send Miami to uh, cold weather sites in December. That being said, you know, everybody in Miami's division other than them is a cold weather site. So yeah. <laughs> they got to go somewhere in road division games. I'm sure they'd love all three of them to be in September, um, but that's probably not likely either. Um, but certainly, you know, if we have sent Miami to Buffalo in Week 16 four years in a row, the Dolphins will not be shy about reminding us of that, and <laughs> they're probably right. And I'm
2: quite help. sure, Mike, you heard the response last year after the Bills played in like hundred degree heat in September in Miami last year at one o'clock. But you know, I mean, I don't, you can't control weather, obviously. I, I know I was there and it was really hot, but I'm sure you've you've heard that as well percolate. So I don't know if you have to be mindful of that, or you say, look, it's just unfortunately that's what happened.
1: Yeah, look, again, I, I don't think bad luck moves around. I don't think it should land on the same team the same way year after year after year. So that's part of our calculus as we talk about some of this is gut and feel and some of it is math and science. Some of it is also just being human. And I think if the same bad you know, break has happened to the same team over and over and over again, we should throw up a roadblock. We should have better guardrails to preclude something like that from happening over and over and over again. That being said, I'm, I'm certainly not the health and safety expert. I know our folks definitely were fully aware of the challenges playing in Miami in September, but you know, the same way the bills have a home field advantage in December when it gets cold, I, I assume Miami has a home field advantage when they get some of those teams down there in the heat. I don't think we want to be risky. I don't think we want to, you know, obviously have any health scares, but, uh, you know, Miami's got to kind of walk that same line. I'm sure their team and their coach loves to have, you know, cold weather teams in their building when it's warm. I'm sure their fans might say, Hey, can we play this game at four o'clock or eight o'clock? It's too hot. You know, same thing in Tampa, same thing in Jacksonville. It's a fine line between, you know, the football side of the house and the, you know, customer service side of the house.
0: Do teams have conversations with you? I know, I know you said there's a pretty open dialogue. Do teams like the Bills have conversations of, like, hey, could we get some more games in the fall when the weather's nice, as opposed to three home games in December, because we don't know how those games are going to do. Are, are those dialogues, those conversations had?
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, not shy about this. I mean, people know where to find me always happen to have this conversation. Howard Katz been running this process for 15 years now. He is front and center and always available and talks to, Everyone that wants to talk to him doesn't shy away from any of this. So yes, those conversations can happen. But again, it's a, it's a weird kind of line to walk. If you're, you know, the COO and you're thinking about, you know, customer service and ticket sales and revenue, then yeah, I'm sure you'd want all your games in September, but that probably means what for your last six on the road, <laughs> how are you going to explain that to the coach? Right? So, you know, the, the late season bills, home games, again, I think was a bigger issue when we were four and 12 and six and 10, and we were worried about, you know, no shows now that we're competing for division titles and one seeds uh, yeah, p- fans show up and, and, you know, nobody's more hardy than, you know, Bill's mafia. So, you know, should we play, you know, three games in the last four weeks, all at night, year after year, after year? and probably not the right thing to do, but Are we as reticent to schedule Bills home games in December as maybe we were a few years back? Definitely not. It's 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 again it's the games that matter in December. It's the games that the fans want to watch on television. We should be cognizant of the impact we're having on the season ticket members, but um, we're we're far less concerned about it maybe than we used to be.
2: All right, two part stadium question. Number one, is there a big act uh, concert series anything this year that's uh, kind of putting a thorn in you guys? I know that's happened Ed Sheeran a couple ago. You had to kind of. work around his schedule and i don't think there's any i know there's no new stadiums to shine this year but you know i remember a couple years ago you had la at vegas but then there was covid that happened so uh, how much does that factor in you know where you want to be certain stadiums maybe early on
1: yeah i mean you you hit it right there's no um there's no new stadiums coming online maybe there's some renovations in a few places some new video boards and stuff like that but uh, I, I don't think there's anything that you're going to see us really kind of pointing to and, and highlighting early in the season as, you know, the stadium is the draw. Right. Um, I, I don't think we're going to do that. Uh, the concerts are prevalent yet again. I mean, look, the truth is, you know, these buildings are used for, you know, football games, 10 times a year that leaves an awful lot of days of the year where they can and, and should be used for something else, especially those built with taxpayer dollars and the concert business obviously disappeared for COVID and and the year after. So everybody's kind of getting back on. Everybody's kind of trying to get, um, you know, back in the concert game. Taylor Swift is touring, Beyonce's touring, you know, these are big names and they need big stadiums. And we always try to, you know, work with our teams, work with, uh, folks like live nation work with the stadium operators at the end of the day, we're still going to do what we think is right for the national football league. And if, you know, Taylor has to reroute her tour, I'm sure we'll hear from a lot of 12 year old girls, but we got to do what's right for the NFL. Um, but yeah, there's, there's plenty of concert tours. There's plenty of, you know, other events that we're always trying to work around. You know, sometimes it's not even in our building. Sometimes it's across the street, whether it's the baseball stadium or the right. soccer stadium or the NASCAR race, or Uh, a golf tournament or anything else going on. There's, you know, a lot of these buildings being used for college football games. And if you play a college game on Saturday, well, sure. The building's available for the NFL on Sunday, but what if you get some bad weather and the field gets chewed up and we should be wary about certain places that struggle with that and give them an opportunity to resod and put them on the road for a couple of weeks. And again, a lot of conversations with everybody trying to, you know, accommodate everybody's asks. It's impossible to please everyone, but um the answer to your question is yes, the concert tours are seem to be kicking into high gear again. I certainly hope I get tickets. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Mike, with the evolution of the streaming services, with more social media becoming prevalent every single day, how has your job putting the schedule evolved over the years? Like, are there aspects to it that you have to consider now that you didn't have to consider in years past? Or is the process pretty similar to what it was five years ago, 10 years ago?
1: Yeah, look, the truth is the process isn't that different the number of mouths to feed is is very different and the um Call it the uh, the, the, the quality of the constituent, the intelligence of the constituents, like this little cottage industry here of dissecting the schedule and really trying to do the analytics about who got the best and who got the worst. And why did the league do this? You know, I don't remember this 15 years ago and I was here and I was still doing it. Now, the fact that, you know, we can sit here and talk about it for an hour and a half just shows how many more people care about it. And that part's awesome. But also all those people who care about it are probably going to unearth something in there that, you know, we're maybe not going to be that proud of. So the truth is, it's, it, you know, as the constituents get smarter, as the number of mouths to feed gets more and more, um, you know, we're trying to slice this pie even more and more thinly. And it's it's getting harder. I mean, uh, the the, pro- the job was never easy. Uh, it's certainly harder than it's ever been and probably not as hard as it's going to be. Um, the truth is, when we talk about you know, things like social media and the streaming services, I'll tell you that the social media piece, as I hinted at earlier, I I think it's fantastic. I think the fact that we can get immediate feedback from our fans, instead of having to wait to do a focus group or an off season, you know, survey, like we get feedback in real time and they are not shy and they're the customer, right. And anybody will tell you the customer's always right. We want to hear from them and we try to hear, from them, however they want to communicate with us, whether it's like we said, buying a hat or a t-shirt or following somebody on Instagram or showing up at a training camp event or placing a bet or coming to a game or traveling to London or whatever it is, they, they tell us what's important to them. We need to listen to them. So the social media aspect of this, while it isn't always friendly, um, I, I do think it's a good thing for the NFL and I do think it's good for us to listen to our fans. How, how much
2: so- has been done so far? How do yeah, you be- Uh, you already have like all the thousands and thousands of permutations spitting it out of the computer
1: Oh yeah, every day, every day. I mean, literally the, the the phone pings constantly. Here's one, here's one, here's one, here's one, here's one. We're just trying to, you know, find that magical mythical perfect one. And part of the conversation about what constitutes the magical mythical perfect one is as you hinted at Matt, some of the streaming services, we've got obviously the games on Amazon now, you know, We'll we'll find them. We're we're rabid. We will find Amazon Prime. We will find the games. We might have to help our parents find them. And that's a challenge for us all. Um, you know, the kids might have to help us find them, but once we find them and once everybody gets it and realizes that, oh, you know, you got a smart TV and you just click this button instead of that one, it's really just another channel on the television. You know, it's not this notion of oh, I have to watch it on my phone or or maybe I should get out the iPad. Um, I think last year proved that you know, Amazon is a perfectly suitable home for NFL games. And like we said, will be for the next 10 years. Uh, We've got games this year coming up on ESPN plus we've got a game on Peacock. I mean, look, the streaming services are probably here to stay. Anybody can, you know, guesstimate what the consolidation is going to be like and how many of these, you know, services are going to survive. But, you know, I know my kids never watch television (laughs) to get them to sit in front of the television for three hours, non-starter. So if those guys are still going to be fans, we're going to have to fish where the fish are. And that means reaching them on their phones and reaching them on the streaming services. And, you know, it's good and bad. You can, you know, the minute the game is over, you can have a little five minute, you know, Twitter highlight package right here. And you know, everything you need to know, you know, your fantasy stats, you know, the score, you see the highlights, you know, the officiating controversies, you know, everything you need to know. We've made it real easy to follow the game without watching the game. And that, you know, good and bad. So trying to really, again, as always find the balance, thread the needle, make sure that you're fishing where the fish are without kind of ignoring and leaving behind these, you know, legacy media companies that have been the lifeblood of the national football league and, you know, live sports on television. Still, there's really nothing else that gets 25, 30 million, hundred million, 200 million for the super bowl. There's nothing that gets that many people together anymore other than sports on television. And I assume, you know, the CBS, Fox, NBCs of the world are going to continue to want to be in the NFL business, but we wouldn't be doing our jobs. It wouldn't, it would be irresponsible for us, you know, not to continue to figure out what Amazon looks like in the future, what a relationship with YouTube TV could be like now that they've got the Sunday ticket package. Those partners are obviously extremely important, you know, not just 10 years from now for the NFL, but today.
2: All right. So what happens when the schedule is done? Who calls whom? Is it an email? Like, do you get it? Does Howard Katz get on the phone with Terry Pagula or Brandon Bean? Is there an email they get sent? How do the teams find out the schedule?
1: Yeah, everybody, uh, it's up to them. Uh, we'll reach out. We'll let them know, you know, somewhere in the middle of May, Hey, everybody, you know, white smoke. We've got one that the commissioner has approved. Uh, and we're going to shoot to release it on, you know, day X, whatever it is, May 18th, whatever the day is. We're going to release it on this day and we're going to give it to you. Uh, A day or two before so that you guys can, you know, price your tickets, build your social media graphics, have your websites ready to go, do your interviews with your coaches, uh, start planning your hotels, uh, charter flights, whatever it is. Uh, So the clubs will get it uh, just a little bit ahead of time. And it'll be up to them how they want to get it. Uh, we'll reach out to Mr. Pagula. We'll see. I, I used to give it to Kim. It used to be one of my favorite calls of the year. I'm I'm hoping that obviously that she's doing good and, and someday I can make that call again. Uh, but we'll reach out to Mr. P and we'll ask him if he wants it, if the GM wants it, if if somebody in football ops wants it, if Boyko wants it in the PR department, we'll make sure that the Bills get it ahead of time. Um you know, those days are always interesting. It's it's exciting. It's Christmas morning. You get to open your presents. It's also a kind of, you know, hold your breath and, and brace yourself. And hopefully if anybody's really disappointed, it's about something that we kind of knew and we were prepared for and we can explain it, rationalize it, justify it. Like you said, nobody gets everything, but, you know, you did get this and this and sorry, you got that as well. It just kind of came with the territory. Um so we'll reach out to the teams. We'll let them know it's ready and uh, they'll tell us how they want to take it from us. Mike, you might have to give me a very diplomatic answer here, but
0: the last question for me, because this is always a conversation that I have with my buddies. Do you have a favorite theme music for any of your partners? Like, do you enjoy the music for football <laughs> at any of your partners? more wow. than another? Like I'm, I'm can stand here and tell you Monday night football is my favorite music, but I know n- not everybody feels that way. Do you have one that's like especially nostalgic or that you really like?
1: You know, I'm a, I'm an old school hip hop kind of eighties rap guy. I'm not sure anybody's gone that far down the road. I, I will tell you that I, I found it really interesting when Fox started doing, you know, some fish and some dead and some stuff like that, going in and out of break, um, that was new. And I was surprised to see that many people kind of catching up to it and, and being interested by it. Um, it's interesting that that's become a bit of a cottage industry now. <laughs> um, look, I, I I love all I love all 32 teams equally. I love <laughs> all <my laughs> partners equally. How about that? Good answer. Mike. You have been so gracious with your
2: time once again this year. We really thank you. This has been so enlightening, and it's awesome to talk with you. Glad to finally uh, see you virtually here as we do this. Look forward to doing it again. I hope we can, and maybe even sometime during the summer after the duel comes out, we can chat a little bit.
1: Yeah, look, the truth is this is always kind of fun and interesting to do in you know April and May and even in the immediate aftermath when the schedule comes out. Um, it's interesting then to kind of go back and, if not replay this one, kind of go back and look at it and listen to it. Yeah. And you know, we could talk again in, like, November. And we could say, hey, best laid plans, zoom right in the garbage. And holy cow, we didn't see that coming. Or isn't this incredible that this happened that nobody knew was even a thing? You you know, you, you think about, you know, some of these brands that you think you can always count on. You know, you think about a team like San Francisco. You know that's a good football team. And you know that the guy that played quarterback for whatever, 10 weeks there and won them all was Mr. Irrelevant, right? I mean, a guy that most of us hadn't heard of, and now he's got an off-season surgery, and is he going to be the day one starter? Is it going to be somebody else we haven't heard of? I mean, that's the beauty of this league. It's it's a hard part for the scheduling team to try to guess how any of this is going to go down six months from now, but that's the beauty of this league, is there's always something compelling, and it is a zero-sum game. If somebody's down, then you know somebody else is up. And yep. we can kind of focus on that. And uh, I've been doing this 28 years now. I, I hope they let me do it another 28. I'm grateful for the opportunity, humbled by everybody's interest, and always happy to talk about it. You certainly know where to find me if you have ever question, and um, always happy to do this. Thanks for the time.
0: Well, Taco, Sal, thank you so much, Mike. This was a pleasure. Uh, Wish your son happy birthday from Sal and Matt here in Buffalo. And yeah, we look forward to doing this again. But that, everybody, is Mike North, the NFL's VP of broadcast planning, joining us here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Make sure to like, subscribe, and thanks for listening and watching. We appreciate it.